Starting out inside the 15, Thompson. He's going to launch it deep downfield. Right in stride. Trey Palmer is gone. Touchdown, Nebraska. One play, 87 yards. You're listening to Run the Damn Ball. We talk about Nebraska football, college football, Nebraska sports in general. You know, we dabble here and there with everything. Um, this is the 50th episode of Run the Damn Ball. So, hey, you know, we've come a long way. I'm joined once again by Sam Alessandro. Um, we'll be talking about the latest additions to Nebraska's football team um, through the 2023 recruiting class and the transfer portal. And we'll also talk about the latest news in college football, too. But uh, why don't we start with the new um, things that are going on with our lives? I mean, I guess this is a little over a week ago. So two weekends ago, um, obviously Christmas was yesterday, but Sam and I just graduated from University of Nebraska. So I feel like a lot has happened within like the past two weeks since we last did a podcast. So it's kind of crazy. Like, I don't live in Nebraska anymore. <laughs> I've moved away. And so, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's honestly, has it hit you yet? Because it really hasn't for me yet. Because it just feels like a regular Christmas break right now. Like I'm I'm working. I'm, you know, instead of like thinking about obviously classes for next year, I'm looking at jobs. Uh, so I guess that's like the thing that's changing for me. But it really hasn't fully hit me yet, honestly, with um, – with with college being done um but yeah i don't know about you daniel but i had quite the uh graduation weekend um actually i i ran into you at the uh at the bar of the bar yeah that. <laughs> i bought you I a slinky oh my gosh dude um that weekend was really fun because in a way, it was like the last time, and it like it makes me sad saying it like this, but it was kind of the last time that, you know, somehow the way it worked out, a lot of our friends, a lot of people I knew, we all finished in four and a half years. I think COVID had something to do with that. But like half the people people I knew in college, we all graduated in December. Um, we started in 2018, you know, went four and a half. And so I remember just like after seeing people at graduation that I've literally known for four years. And then, you know, going out that night and seeing people again, like it was, I was literally just like hugging people like you, Andrew, this other guy I know named John Paul. Um, he's from Omaha. Uh, I worked with him, but it's just like all these people I kept running into. It's like, man, this is like the last time we're all together in the same place. And like, mm -hmm. it was really bittersweet. Like seeing people I knew for four years, some people I had hardly seen the last year, but like seeing them walk the stage, like it was really nice. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, it was a crazy weekend. I had a lot of family in town. Um, and then, yeah, actually, no, I didn't have a lot of family in town, but it felt like a lot because it was two of my brothers and my dad. But um, but anyway, yeah, no. And I remember, yeah, I wasn't expecting you to pull the bar the bar up. But yeah, that was funny. Like Andrew, who was supposed to be on this pod right now, but I guess he's sleeping right now, kept <laughs> hugging me. Like he probably hugged me like five times. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a hugger. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, that the whole weekend it was so much fun i i went out thursday friday and saturday because i, don't I know had how you to, did it uh, what i don't know how you did it friday oh, I did not go out well, I, I didn't like go crazy or anything but you know i just it's like you said you know it's been four and a half years and i had you know I, i've been lucky enough especially in the last year where like i've met you and like so many other people and so i wanted to you know, say goodbye to, you know, some people. And, you know, I also went to like lunch and dinner with some people. I know I went to lunch with you earlier that week at Muchachos, which was oh, fun. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know, I was just trying to like soak, like, like what you said, you know, soak it all in. It's, you know, I, I kind of got a little nostalgic uh, a little bit, but, um, you know, it, it was, it was a really, really fun weekend. Um, 
just seeing everyone. And I had friends from out of town, family from out of town come as well, which obviously that, that was pretty awesome too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're still in Lincoln cause you got a job there and everything. I didn't have anything figured out. And also, you know, everybody in my house, we all were moving out. He's and awake. So, oh, Andrew's awake. He's awake. <laughs> but anyway, like I graduated Saturday. Sunday, I'm like recovering from the last two. The recovery. I was uh, like, I was seeing people like hanging out. Like I was going out on the town, like for two weeks straight, really. This and... man, Daniel is a menace at Brothers, <laughs> by the way, on a Thursday. Yeah. Just give that man a dance floor and he is killing it. Yeah. So uh, I remember Sunday, I like recovered from really the past two weeks and I like, was trying to mentally wrap my head around everything. And Monday morning, we just started, me and my other roommates, we just started packing up everything. And we started at like probably 10 a.m. And we finished like 7 a or seven p.m., like evening time. We literally got everything out of that house. I couldn't believe it. And we cleaned the house wow. too. And then Monday, I mean, I wasn't going to go home as soon as I did. But the storm's coming last week. And yeah. I had to get out before I, I potentially get snowed or iced. Uh, on the road so I was like I gotta go as soon as I can so I left Tuesday morning um and so now I'm living in Dallas at my parents house which I didn't entirely plan on but it's like I needed a spot to like kind of get settled and figure out what I'm gonna do next so it's like yeah 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 it's sad to see my Daniel leave Lincoln but it's all it's all good uh yeah we still we still keep in touch well, we're doing the podcast right now. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I was definitely emo driving home. I was like, because it, it, that's when it finally hit me where I was like, okay, everything, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I, I, yeah. I'm, I, I'm actually over it. I feel like I'm totally, like, fine. Oh, well, like, yeah, here's the thing, like, for me, like, yeah, it was very nostalgic, and, like, I was a little sad, and like, especially going to the, like, J school reception the night before, I was like, man, this might be one of the last times. Turns out it wasn't the last time I went to the J school at like 1 p.m. or at 1 a.m. to go to the bathroom before I went to the bar, the bar on Saturday. Um, you know, you have to go to the bathroom. They got nice bathrooms, unlike the uh, unlike the bars. I um, love the first story bathroom of Anderson Hall because it has the kick toilet. You can go to the bathroom and they kick this little button and it'll flush the toilet for you. Oh, yeah. That's what, I think it's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, bar the bar's um, clutch because only J school students can scan their end card to get in the, in the middle of the night. Oh yeah! And so when you're going from one bar to another, you just stop at J school and scan your card to go to the bathroom, and it's so much yep. nicer. It's amazing. I literally would get people. I'd have like a group of like eight, nine people, and we all go to the bathroom at J Same. school. <laughs> Same. Same. Yeah. yeah. Now we can talk about this because we're graduated. So, um, but oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, we yeah. we never we never did anything bad in there. Just always had to go to the bathroom. But um, yeah, it, four and a half years. It was a that's a while, and it, it was, was it was time. Like yeah, it was it was time. It's been fun, but uh, you know, I'm ready to hit up the real world. Yeah, same. If I did another semester at Nebraska, I'd lose my mind. I I, I was getting pretty damn close to losing my mind this semester. All I had was like a couple little like extra credit assignments the last week of school. And I was like, I, I had no motivation. I did them, but it took me forever. Cause I was like, yep. anyway, <laughs> but we can, let's move on to the latest with like Nebraska football because recruiting class just came in last week. We also have news about, you know, transfers too. So I guess we'll start with recruiting just cause that's a bigger thing. But, um, I did a little, put a little screenshot in there for us, but, um, the one that actually surprised me, I didn't think Malachi Coleman was going to come here to Nebraska. Did that yeah. You? Yeah, that was uh, interesting. Um, here, I'm I'm forwarding your uh, email to uh, Andrew. Oh, is he going to jump on? I'm going to try. I'm going to at least see if he wants to. Uh, but yeah, uh, Malachi Coleman, that one was a little surprising just because – like, I think it was, like, two or three days before, like, it, it really seemed like he was going to go to Colorado, which, you know, 
I, I don't know how I would have felt by that. I know a lot of the toxic Husker fan accounts, like Corn Husker One, would have been ha- would have been uh, pretty annoyed with that. But um, yeah, you know, it's I'm very glad that we got him because those are the types of recruiting wins that you need to have. You cannot let the in-state guys. Um, you cannot let them walk, especially at a place like Colorado, where it's I, I consider it still as a as a rival, especially since we're playing them next year. It's like losing a recruit to Iowa. It's the same thing, really. Yeah. And, you know, it's again, it's like what, you know, Coach Frost talked about it. Coach Riley talked about it. Rules talked about it. securing like the 500 mile radius around Lincoln um, recruiting. Uh, is huge and I mean when you get a guy who probably if he's in a state that has more recognition in high school uh, athletics it's probably more nationally recruited and probably considered maybe even a five-star with the offers that he had now I'm I don't know if he'll play right away um Something tells me that he uh, he might, though, at least for a few games because you have that red shirt rule where you can play four games. But also, like, the wide receiver depth, I think I'm a little concerned about, if I'm being honest, right now. Um, just because we've lost, we lost a few of our commits. Actually, one of them actually went to Colorado, and I think it was O'Marion Miller. Yeah, he, um, he committed and then committed to Colorado. Yeah. So – it's it's going to be – I'm really excited at the prospect of some of these guys, how early they're going to play, because I know Rule likes to he's, – he's going to play the guys who he – like, we're, we're not going to see uh, – I think – because I think sometimes in the Frost era, there was, like, these weird choices of this guy's going to play this many snaps, this guy's going to play this many snaps. I think Rule's just going to play the, the best players because yeah. it was – it was odd. Like we would see, I'm not going to count, call anyone out, but you can kind of, you know where I'm going with this. But like, I remember there were times like Xavier Betts was clearly the most talented receiver and he would only see the field for like a quarter and a half a game. I'm like, why? He's clearly the one of the better pass catchers on the team. Yeah. They um, would start in 2021. Wyatt Lure didn't, or Lever, how do you say his last name? He didn't play, like, at all this past year, like, thankfully, because they figured out, like, we're going to put our best receivers on the field. But I Lever think Mickey has play... seen that. Look, Lever was starting games in 2021, but, like, would maybe get, like, one catch a game. Maybe. Like, why was yeah. he out there? That, that's why the was other... he even out there, dude? Put, like, I was like, man, this is – we're literally wasting, like, an, a position on the field, and we could put, like, Omar, Xavier, Alante – Someone who's actually going to catch it and go do something with the ball. Like, I'm not trying – like, Wyatt, like, busted his tail for Nebraska, as so many other seniors did. Um, but, like, dude, let's put the best players in the field. And so, I'm not trying to come after him. I'm just being honest. Like, we all saw that. And so – Yeah, uh, I do. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I was pointing at, Wyatt Lever and um, – who's the other guy? Another guy. I mean, they put Brody Belt on the field, and that actually I thought made sense. I thought Brody. But they gave him the ball. They gave him the ball. Brody was a true slot receiver. He deserved the ball. Usually, when he was on the field, it was either as like a motion guy, and like he was probably like an option guy. Because I obviously I don't know the playbook, but I would imagine it was kind of like a read option kind of thing. Uh, Guys like when they put in Wyatt Lever and. God, I can't remember his name. What um, number was he maybe? Like 80. Oh, oh Levi Falk. Levi Falk. I thought he was good. He got the ball a few times, but I felt like those guys were kind of used as decoys. And that's so annoying to me. I'm like, either give him the ball. Like, you need, you can't have decoy guys in the Big Ten getting like 70% of the snaps, and that's what they were getting, I felt like, at times. Um but yeah. Anyway, rant over. I think uh, Malachi Coleman is is not like I think with Matt Rule, he's going to play the best players, and Malachi Coleman 
if anything else, he's obviously a incredibly talented guy. I mean, six foot five, he's got insane speed. He's actually a really good edge rusher. Uh, when I saw him play in high school, because you and I both announced a few high school games, uh, one of them that I worked, I think I worked either one or two of his uh, high school games at Lincoln East. And he's just, he was he was the most dominant player on the field. Um, very similar to when I when I was playing in high school, when um, uh, Cam Jurgens was playing, which is crazy because Cam Jurgens was a tight end and linebacker when I was be like an NFL player for like now he's an NFL 15. center. Uh, like it was it was night and day. Like okay, this guy should not be on the field. Like I think he only played the first quarter. Like it was, it was that ridiculous. It, 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 he was just different. He was like six foot four already, or maybe not that tall. But I think he got he offered just, from Nebraska, like when Bo was coach. It was after our my freshman year. Yeah, it was literally uh, like, like right Bo. after the freshman football season. So like November of twenty like fourteen or something like wow. that. Whenever I was a freshman in high school, whatever year that was, absolutely wild. Which is, yeah, no crazy but, but like that that's kind of the guy that you're getting in Malachi Coleman just a yeah Malachi is I mean d- definitely a totally different build than you know Jurgens is more of a power build but Malachi he'll probably need like a year to adjust to the speed and physicality of playing with college athletes because like look if you're playing wide receiver in Nebraska like you're not going to face many corners who are going to do much to you let's be honest so he'll probably have time to adjust. He, we'll probably see him some next year. It was just nice to get him because he is the best athlete we've seen probably since Cam Jurgens, or even maybe more, probably more so actually, uh, if you, you know, weigh in like his ability to like, you know, jump in the air. So, um, but yeah, happy we got him. I think he got to the period where a lot of wide receivers and like athletes had been locked into schools already. And for him, mm-hmm. it came down to who still had spots left. And it was Nebraska and it was Colorado because Dion's trying to put something together. And I think Colorado is a lot bigger risk for him. Um, just with what Dion's trying to put together there, it's going to be a, it's, it's going to be chaotic. There's no, no other way around it. Right. And so mm-hmm. it, and it could work, but it was definitely a safer bet for Malachi to stay home and join what should be a solid program within two to three years with Matt Rule at Nebraska. So happy yeah. we got him. Um, and then Nebraska, I mean, they're really just recruiting speed. They'll go after guys who don't even have stars, but they have like, they'll look at their track times. Like they got yeah. a guy out of Texas. I think he ran like a 10, four, a hundred meter dash. He had zero stars, but because Nebraska offered him, uh, he ended up, uh, getting like three stars or something. Um, that was, let's see, was he on here? He's from Bay city, Texas. I already forgot his name. Uh, let's see here. It's, they also got a track guy in uh, Jalen Lloyd. Yeah, from Westside, who got yeah. offers from, like, Georgia in track. Yeah. Which, which is legit. Yeah, that's like, legit. True, true blazing speed. Um, And that that really excites me, that they're getting these these freak athletes. Um, Yeah, the guy from, from Texas that they got, the – Wide receiver Bryce Turner is his name. He had zero stars, and then Nebraska offers him, I guess, rival decided to give him three stars, which is fair because, like, if you run a 10-4, 100-meter dash, you deserve three stars if you're a wide receiver. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And I know Matt Rule actually – he said that in his uh, press conference the other day when they announced, like, the recruiting cl- – like, after signing day. He said that you're going to – you know, because it's Evan Cooper. Evan Cooper, the DB coach, is the one that found, I think, him. He said he's going to find a lot of these guys, and you're going to start to see a trend where they're not really recruited, and then we offer him, and then, you know, they they end up getting quite a few offers, and they get a rating boost, uh, which yeah. that's always cool that, you know, these guys, I, I think these coaches are thinking a little bit outside of the box. And like they're not limiting themselves, which is really good. But yeah, they're, they're just going after what they like. They're not go. They're not following what everyone else is doing. You know. Right. And also, like they're not star chasing. 
but I felt like we kind of did with uh, our previous two coaching staffs. They went kind of star chasing, you know. Um, they I would mean, sign like three, four star DBs out of Florida, and then like most of them would transfer. I don't think we even saw like more than like one or two play, like yeah. meaningful snaps. So, yeah, I mean, that's just an example right there. Um, you know, so it's. I, I've been I was pro, honestly pleasantly surprised with the recruiting um and not not to say like I think rules a bad recruiter I think he, he's a good recruiter but like I don't know I think usually the perception around him is he's a rebuild guy and so usually when you think about that you think of oh he likes to develop guys more like he's known as more of a developer of talent so I didn't see him attacking the recruiting trail this hard. Um, and this early and also the transfer portal like hit, the way he attacked that I really like um, got a lot of good uh, defensive linemen which really really excites me because that was probably and that probably was what he saw when he was watching games was the D-line depth especially was not good this past year yeah they only had a couple legit guys I feel like this year and the guys they pulled in, I mean, they had to go get transfers to even, um, you know, get things going anyway. But that's something that they were doing is that, okay, first of all, there's eight in-state commits for Nebraska this year. I've never seen that. Yeah, that that was crazy to me. Um, I, I've always thought that the uh, the talent in the state was pretty underrated. Um, but – it's it was really cool for me to see uh, Matt Rule attack the uh, attack the in-state guys and like not even just in-state guys, but he's going after people who are near the Lincoln, uh, Nebraska area. Like I think attacking South Dakota, there's a there's some talent there in that state. Obviously, Iowa has a lot of talent in the pipeline. Um, you have. You know, Kansas City has a lot of really good athletes. Um, so, like, there's a, a region, a 500-mile radius, like I mentioned earlier, where um, Matt Rule and the staff can do, a, I think, a lot of damage. And I think this first class um, was a good indication of what's to come in terms of recruiting. Uh, yeah. staff. Well, they signed four offensive linemen from the state of Nebraska, and then you throw in – uh, we got a kicker, like the best kicker that is signed in who knows how long. I mean, he's a two-star. Uh, Tristan Alvano had like, what was it, like six field goals in the state championship game? Did you see that? Yeah, he, he, had, five. he, he had, had five. He had five. And, and the game winner. The 51-yarder would have been good from 60. It was one of the most impressive kicks I've ever seen. It was more impressive than the Alex Henry 57-yarder. Um, if that tells you, like, I, I always say that because like he crushed it. It went like above, like it was a no doubt. And it was a 51 yard field goal. And like, there's a reason why Sean Callahan said like, he's the best kicker I've ever seen in high school. And like, he's dominated these kicking camps. So the fact that like we gave him a full ride scholarship, like, uh, just a few hours after that game, too. I mean, that should tell you right there the talent that he has. And, I mean, Westside has talent. They've been a dominant high school team forever. Um, yeah. Did you see Johnny game. Rogers was at the uh, Jalen Lloyd's, like, signing thing? Johnny Rogers is everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the best – I mean, I guess the highest rated guy they got, besides Malachi Coleman, is they got a defensive end – Prince Will Uman Milan, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He's actually from the same town as um, O'Shawn Mathis. He's a DN. So that was a four-star they picked up, I believe, uh, right before signing day. Um, but, I mean, we could talk about some of the other guys another time. Uh, the one thing I did we did miss was uh, longtime commit Hayden Moore from Colorado, linebacker. Uh, he flipped to Michigan on signing day. So that was a big loss. But other than that, I mean. With what Rule did with Frost flopping this year for the last time, and then the whole Mickey situation after the, I guess, the week after the Iowa game, like Rule did the best he could. Yeah, I agree. 
I think the biggest loss, though, was obviously Ernest Hosman, who went from the 25th overall player in the portal, which is really good, really good. He was the number one linebacker still in the portal, but he commits to Michigan and he becomes the number one player in the portal. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I think he's number two behind Travis Hunter in the overall portal rankings. Probably, yeah, I think that's right now. Um, and then also now, uh, there, there's like more people entering the portal. I'm sure you saw this morning, Daniel. So yeah, I'm sure that's that. changed uh, now. But I thought that was a huge loss because, especially the last, I'd say, three games, he really started to blossom and show off that that athleticism that he had um, coming out of Columbus. And so I think losing a guy like him is obviously tough, but, you know, this is going to happen when you have coaching changes, you're going to lose some players. I think the fact that we've only, we've only really lost, I think he might be the only like real impact starter that could return next year. The fact that he's the only guy left, like, I think that's pretty impressive. But Andrew, what did you see? What What do you like from our recruiting class coming in next year? Hey, thanks for tuning me into the conversation. Um, yeah, a lot of in-state guys. Um, I like that a lot. One of the biggest concerns that I had was definitely around. I mean, I know Mickey Joseph recruited a lot of these guys from the get-go, and obviously, without talking too much about. That whole situation, it made me wonder how that was going to translate over with how many people were going to still continue to sign. Um, but it doesn't look like Nebraska really had any problems. Uh, you almost kind of wonder what Matt Rule was doing behind the curtains to be able to get people like Malachi Coleman to stay. And you almost wonder if they had any NIL deals lined up for them already. Um, Malachi it did, uh, NIL stuff. Did the coldest Crawford commit somewhere? No, I think, well, the rumor I heard with him was he entered the portal and he was hoping LSU would, you know, give him an offer again because that's where he originally was going to go anyway. And then I don't think LSU went after him. So he tried to come back to Nebraska. And I think that the Matt Rule and the staff was like, hey, we're trying to bring in more transfers. We can't take you back right now. Oh. Um. Yeah. So that's what I heard. I don't know if that's true. So don't take it for, don't take my word for it. But like literally, they were like, they don't have, they're trying to like, you know, add transfers from other places. And they were like, hey, we can't take you back right now because I, that's what I heard. Don't, I don't know though. I mean, all things considered, Nebraska is still doing remarkably well this offseason. But to no surprise, I, I guess that kind of happens every year, but until it can translate, I'm not going to get too excited. Just going to interrupt this podcast real quick to drop in some news that came out as I was editing. And that is that Garrett Nelson is uh, not coming back to Nebraska next year. He's actually going to pursue an NFL career. So he's going to, you know, declare for the draft. Now that's what he announced today. On Tuesday, uh, literally right after we finished recording. So, um, good luck to him. Uh, he's you know he played in Nebraska for four years and was a key player the last three. So, hey, you know what? Happy for him. Western Nebraska guy played a lot of time at Nebraska as well. Moving on, uh, edge rusher. So you know he has a pro future, I believe. Big strong guy. So um, Nebraska will miss him, but they'll probably be all right um, going forward. And so, yeah, I just thought that was worth mentioning real quick. Not going to give a whole lot of opinions, just saying what um, uh, came out today. I will say that um, I don't think he's that big of a loss because he was a he was an effort player, but he didn't do – I mean, I guess he had a couple sacks here and there, but it wasn't like he was, you know, an all-star type player. I think – He's probably just as good as O'Shawn Mathis is, honestly. So I understand, um, you know, O'Shawn going and then also Garrett Nelson also going uh, to the pros next year. Not sure if either of them will get drafted. I think O'Shawn, just because of what he did at TCU, has higher chances of getting drafted than Garrett Nelson does. But overall, good luck to both those guys and all the seniors. Um, 
you know, go into the draft this coming year. Um, Trey Palmer would definitely be a draft pick for Nebraska. But, yeah, no, Garrett, he uh, did a lot for Nebraska. But, you know, they're going to move on and be fine without him. Um, you know, losing, like, you know, an Anthony Grant, that would hurt a lot more uh, than losing Garrett Nelson, in my opinion. Or, like, a Luke Reimer. Losing one of those guys would hurt more than losing Garrett. So, anyway, that's all i got to say. We'll get right back to the podcast all right well we are back here with run the damn ball podcast we had to restart with some technical difficulties but here we are back so we just talked about the recruiting class coming in um before we move on to the transfer portal stuff for nebraska i think it's worth mentioning something that's been popping up on twitter quite a bit over the last like couple hours so it looks like you know i don't know where tommy armstrong lives right now i've actually seen him in lincoln a little bit here and there but um Grand Island. It lives in Grand Island? Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Does he coach or something? He plays uh, arena football. Dang. Okay. Didn't know that. But anyway, Tommy Armstrong, I guess there was like a fire in his neighborhood and he and like his wife um, went in and like rescued people from this fire. So everyone's talking about it because it's like on the news. Holy crap. So, I mean, shoot. Doesn't really surprise me considering the type of player he was, but I just he's, felt like it was worth mentioning. He's literally Batman. <laughs> Do y'all remember when that 2016 team had like a crazy good run? Partially because the schedule was easy, but they actually, top 10. Had, they actually had some really good games. And like Nebraska, like before Tommy got hurt versus after Tommy got hurt, was just a totally different team. Yeah, I remember. That's when they went what seven and zero, six and zero. They started like seven and zero, maybe eight and zero. I can't remember before they played uh, Wisconsin when they were both were top ten at the time, and it took like an overtime. It took it took Wisconsin interfering with Jordan Westerkamp and then the refs helping Wisconsin for them to win that game over Nebraska. So, and then Tommy got hurt against Ohio State, and that Ohio State team was way better, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. So I'm looking at the notes here, Daniel, that you shared with us, and something stuck out to me here. Um, we're graduating, yay, or we did graduate. Um, yeah. It says, you moved to Dallas temporarily. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could talk about that. But... Emphasis on the temporarily, Daniel. Did I put temporarily question mark? No. It just um, temporarily, and I was like, hmm. The thing is, I don't know where I'm going to end up, so I'm not going to say anything because I don't really want to make predictions. Sure. Yeah, sure, sure. I know what you mean. So, yeah, I'm here right now. I got my I got dog down here at my parents' house, so that's really all I could ask for. Nice. Um, I mean, my mom makes coffee in the morning. I guess I made coffee this morning, but I was like, you know what? I can't complain. I really can't. This is temporary, though. This is temporary. I'm not living at home for too long, but <laughs> I got the privilege of doing the whole job hunt last night or all day yesterday. I'm on the same grind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, right. um, I remember we, were, me and Sam, were talking about this when we started the podcast. But Andrew, we, uh, you, me and you, hugged like four times at the bar, of the bar, or something before I left that. Saturday night after graduation, you may not even remember. No, I don't. You're like, I love you, dude. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. So anyway, we were talking about all of that. Do you, anything you want to add to that? Nope. No. <laughs> right. Well, we'll nope. move on to the recruiting, uh, the transfer portal that we have. So we got a quarterback. Nebraska has a new quarterback on the team. And that's Georgia Tech transfer Jeff Sims. Now, uh, Sam, you and I talked about this guy, I guess, on the last podcast and said, you know, we both would like to have him because they were going after a few guys. Um, I'm actually excited about him because he's probably the most athletic QB Nebraska's had since, like, Tommy Armstrong, actually. And, well, I guess Adrian was pretty dang athletic, too, so we can't really discount that. But um, he's got a cannon. Now, he's not, like, a crazy good passer, but he's got a cannon. And if there's anyone who could, you know, step in with Casey – potentially like being injured or something. I think he's the guy. 
Well, when you look at what Nebraska does or what Nebraska is looking for with Matt Rule, it's a lot of in, like the uh, a, a lot of like certain physical traits. And what Jeff Sims has, we've honestly, I don't think, I can't remember a quarterback that we've had that ever has the ability that Jeff Sims has. He is listed as, I believe, like 6'4", 220. You know, even guys like Tommy Armstrong, he was not 6'4". He was like 6'1". Uh, you know, Adrian was about 6'1". Casey is like exactly six foot. You know, so this is a completely different quarterback than what we've seen before his running ability is is impressive and his he has a lot of potential as a thrower because like you said he has a cannon now he needs to work on his decision making and I think he needs to work on uh being more accurate with the football but but that comes with maturity what that comes with maturity you know well it, it comes with coaching too and just uh I think he was doing a little too much at Georgia Tech kind of similar to uh, Jameer Gibbs when he was at G- Georgia Tech as a running back. Then he goes to Alabama and flourishes uh, this past year and is probably going to be a, you know, the second running back taken in the draft after Bijan Robinson. So um, there's no doubt that Sims has talent. It's just can the Nebraska untap that talent? Um, I, I think it was a really good pickup. Um, we don't know if for sure, like, I know Casey's dad has said that he's coming back, but like I haven't seen any official word that he will be back. So um, with that being said, like I think at the very least, it's good to have another quarterback in the room. I wouldn't be surprised if we add one more um, because I wouldn't be surprised if one or two end up leaving, especially here in the next few weeks or at least by spring, by the springtime. Yeah. So um uh no I I'm I'm glad we got Sims uh we talked about him like you said last time Daniel he's he's very very talented and I think he's I think he's the type of modern day quarterback that you need because you look at a guy like and CJ Stroud is really good don't get me wrong great passer you know but he's limited the offense is limited because of his unwillingness to run I think the modern day college football especially a team like Nebraska with what Matt Rule wants to run, you need to have a guy who is willing to run the ball and have that athleticism. And Jeff Sims has that. Yeah, he really does. He's like a more jacked version of Lamar Jackson. Obviously no one, no one's going to run quite like Lamar, but you know, he's, that's what he looks like physically. Um, Which that's what I want to see in a Nebraska quarterback. Like I grew up with watching Taylor Martinez, Tommy Armstrong, right? Those guys could run. And, you know, you look at a team like, you know, look at Georgia. Stetson Bennett is their QB. He's a small guy, but he will go run, you know, mm-hmm. and it helps their offense out. So, yeah. And did you guys notice not only on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, how stocked up they are now with that early signing day with the amount of speed that they were able to recruit on defense? I think that's something Nebraska hasn't had in a long t- – well, not necessarily – However, I think it's interesting to me because Matt Rule, I mean, with a new head coach, obviously there's going to be, I mean, you're scrapping the whole thing. You're changing everything. So Nebraska fans have to be ready to expect those changes as far as play style goes and offensive scheme, defensive scheme. But I think it's interesting that not only has he stayed home with a lot of these recruits, he's tapped into his own roots going back to his old jobs, being able to grab those players. But at the same time, he's also drafting a lot of talent and speed, especially on the defensive side with like Eric Fields, um, Ramir Stewart, Chief Borders. Um, I just – and he, he runs a 3-3 three, three, – uh, was it a 3-3-5 three, three, or a 3-3? Three, yeah, three? so it's kind of a rare defense these days, but they're going to run basically a 3-3-5, three, three, which is like – it's not – too different from what we saw the last couple years but it's more of like you're really relying on your linebackers and your safeties a whole lot to do all a lot of the tackling because um you know you only have three down linemen really and that's kind of what we saw if you guys remember like the last few years we were in the big 12 
that's kind of what we did in a way. I mean, obviously the D line back then was amazing, but you remember those type of guys like Eric Hag, Dijon Gomes, Levante, David, those kind of players, they did like most of the tackling because they were the like, in, they were like the safety linebacker type players. So um, that's kind of what we're going to see with the new defense, which is exciting because it's more of like speed than anything. And with, you know, the way college football is going, you can't play like Iowa and Wisconsin. You can't have that power offense and win consistently anymore um, mm-hmm. because of the speed that teams have on defense right now. Now, you know, those teams are bowl teams, but what have they won recently, you know? Yeah, so the thing about the three-three-five defense, what Tony White wants to run, the new D coordinator, and what Matt Rule has said so far is that's kind of like their base defense. But obviously, that's going to change w- with the opponent you're playing. You're obviously like, – I don't think they plan on having, you know, just uh, three linemen in on, on goal line, right? Like, there's going to be multiple – but, like, the basically the idea, like, like what you said, Daniel, is, like, athleticism. They're going to have athletes out there. And, like, what you said, Andrew, with Eric Fields, like, Matt Rule only talked about like three players in his press conference the other day, and Eric Fields was one of them. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on the field relatively early uh, starting next year. Um, the thing about uh, the 3-3-5 defense is, again, like watching uh, – I watched one Syracuse game like, uh, like all the way through this year, and it was the Clemson game. And I was really impressed with their linebackers because, again, freak athletes. They were just everywhere. And that's how they were able to stay in the game uh, against Clemson. And then you look at who else runs the 3-3-5 defense. That's Cincinnati. um, Or Cincinnati used to with Luke Fickle. So Wisconsin is also bringing that kind of mentality of more athletes on the field and, like, kind of changing their philosophy a little bit because like what you said, Daniel, Wisconsin has forever been like the, the one of the more physical teams in the country. Um, and now they, they're still going to be playing physical. I have no doubt about that, but they're changing a little bit of their philosophy because of how college football has changed. And I think this is a more modern defense where you're going to be able to maybe compete a little bit better with, the Ohio States, um, the Michigans, the Penn States, because those three teams are by far and away the most athletically gifted teams in the Big Ten. And you can see the talent uh, disparity. You basically have to coach a perfect game just to be in the game against those teams. So, uh, you know, when you, you have to make those types of adjustments, I actually I've, – I've been a big fan of that hire. I thought Tony White, that's probably – one of my favorite hires so far because he's a younger coordinator, but he's proven and um, he's like, he's on the rise and Syracuse fans were pretty surprised uh, to see him go. And I think they were a little disappointed too, because he was a pretty good coach for them. Yeah. And then, you know, on top of that, as you said, you kind of have to adjust to your opponent each week. Like we're Mm -hmm. probably going to be more of a three, three, five when we play, as you said, Michigan, um, Ohio State, Penn State. I guess Michigan, you definitely have to defend the run first. Um, right. We've seen that. But when we play Illinois and they roll out eight offensive linemen, we're not running a 3-3-5, okay? No, <laughs> like, probably everyone not. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. But, um, Andrew, you brought up a name that I liked. Uh, that was Chief Borders. That's a transfer we got from Florida. Four-star in high school, uh, linebacker. A big, I think he's 6'4", 240, big guy. We also got a cornerback or could maybe, maybe play safety too in Corey or Collier, Corey Collier. Um, he's a, he also was a four-star DB from Florida. Um, so those are guys that, you know, we added to, to the transfer portal that are going to be potentially big for us going forward on defense with, you know, focusing on speed. And then also, I mean, Texas A&M has had like 20 dudes in the portal. We picked up one of them and that's defensive lineman, Jerry, uh, not Jerry Judy. That's NFL guy. Elijah, uh, Elijah Judy from Texas A&M. We added him, and so that's big. So those are some of the defensive transfers we've got. And uh, and then, you know, this is one of our favorites. Andrew, you'll like this one. I think yeah. Javen Wright will do very well in this new defense. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, they kind of were playing around with him. He was in that too deep kind of at the nickel. 
Um, he would go in and out there depending on the package that they wanted to put him in. Um, but with, I believe this defense, I think he will fit absolutely perfectly with. They need like an oversized safety who can come down and stop run, but also, you know, play uh pass defense. And Jabin's one of those guys. He's even bigger than like Isaac Gifford is. So, you know, he could be a huge, you know, contributor next year in the three, three, five. One of the transfers I actually wanted to talk about, my least one of my favorite transfers right now is Ben Scott from Arizona State. Thank God we got a competition. I need to be careful. We have a good transfer in Ben Scott, and I'm very confident that with him next to Nuri, Maybe with the development of a couple starters from last year, I think our O line can at least take a step forward. Yeah, I I heard that they really didn't let. I mean, this is when Frost was you know still here, but Frost really didn't let Riola have a huge impact in the O line last year, and mm-hmm. so I don't know what the deal was with that. But I mean, injuries and some other stuff definitely hurt them, but. Um, Hopefully they do take a step forward. And Scott's a good addition. I think, shoot, the center last year was uh, Hickson, right? Trey Hickson. And now he's you know, he was a sixth year, so he's gone. So, I mean, Ben Scott, I think he started like 29 games at Arizona State. Yeah. So he's seen a lot of football. He's probably going to be the starter for us at center. And, you know, if we're healthy and, of course, having Nuri back at left or right guard, I can't remember which one he was, the offensive line has to take a step forward. Yeah, and did Kevin Williams hit the portal? Is yeah, that right? I think he's gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hunter Anthony is he still around? I think he's coming back for a sixth year. Yeah. Okay. They still have Brody Belt and Wyatt uh, Luer and a couple other sixth-year guys still listed on the roster. I don't know if they're coming back, but they technically can because of COVID. Hmm. I don't know their deal. I don't know these people. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. A lot of – I said this earlier in the season, um, and it was one of the more emphasis that I wanted Nebraska to focus on in the offseason. I really, really want them to work on the trenches, especially, you know, with the pipeline. Uh, I think Ben Scott's a very, very good start. Um, you know, this is just the beginning of the signing period for this – The er, this was the early signing period, and we're already starting to make waves, so – you know, not even half, I would say, of the recruiting class is even solidified yet, which is exciting because it makes you wonder what Rule's going to do. Um, however, I what? think that I think that most of it is done, though. Most of the recruiting is done. Yeah, they have twenty-one dudes. The high school—that's really all you can do. The high school recruiting is pretty much done. Uh, he kind of portal. You're right. It's only about half. I would, I would okay okay I rephrase transfer portal however yeah high school recruiting maybe not but I mean there's still like same difference almost at this point recruiting in the transfer portal are at the same like leverage like with the amount of quantity of people that you can bring in so I mean I don't know and also we need to talk about how to help to decipher rules tweets because that's okay so the thing with Matt Rule that I really like. So there's a few things I want to get back on. One, yes, Matt Rule, his his whole staff really is so much more active on social media than the last staff, which I really like. I think that's going to connect better with recruits. And you you can see it right now. Like they they really seem to be quite passionate about about their job. Like they they want to do a good job, which is which is good good to see. Um but also, like, you bring up offensive linemen. I really liked what Matt Rule said the other day where he's like, you know, I don't really believe in this narrative that the offensive line is, you know, this, you know, atrocity that, you know, basically needs a full rebuild and everything. Like, And I just think that that's the right mentality to have. And he also, you know, said, like, hey, you know, I'm not just bringing in my guys. The guys in the locker room already, those are my guys too. When I took this job, they became my guys. We we did not hear that from the last coach. That's all I'm going to say. And so it's really refreshing 
to have an adult in the room that knows how to speak to uh, not only the media, but I think just knows how knows how to operate a locker room um, in the in a mature way because I think there was that divisiveness, you know, in the in the locker room. I mean, I I'm not gonna obviously like re- reveal a whole lot, but like just from Having been on campus the last four and a half years, you, you know, you hear things and it just seemed like there was sometimes some uh, some toxic uh, toxic stuff going on behind the scenes that I think some people were not really aware of. I think we caught wind of it before most people did, too, just being that we were in Lincoln mm-hmm. and, you know, we're the same age as the guys playing. I mean, I, it was like probably two years ago. It was I think it was like during the 2020 season is when I kind of caught wind of everything mm-hmm. that was going on behind the scenes. I don't know about y'all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also helped. I had like three friends that were on staff for that would be at practice every day. So. Yeah. Um, I think something else that I was going to add to that was, well, I want to at some point talk to, like a player i don't it doesn't even matter who it is but it'd be interesting to like have a player come on the podcast and i'm not trying to get him to like rat anything out because like i don't think that's productive and i don't think that's like fair but just kind of get their perspective of like what the heck was going on those like three four years that they were there with frost and the whole staff like what was like truly like getting in the way of them winning games you know uh, that'd be an interesting story. Not like just this, not just like bad stuff, but like what was truly getting in the way of them, like reaching their potential. Cause they had potential, you know? So. I'm, I'm also interested to see like this last year, like did anything really actually change or was it kind of the same old, same old? I feel like I already know the answer to that, but um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point that you made. Um and yeah, we're obviously going to find out more and more throughout the years. That's just how it goes. Um, but especially w- with a hire like that, because it was so almost like crystal clear from everyone. Like, yeah, Nebraska nailed this hire, home run. And I think that's kind of why people are a little reserved on the Matt Rule hire, because on paper, this is considered a really good hire. But because the last coach was considered a home run hire, like th- that's what Joel Klatt said. He said, I thought Frost was going to be like that was the best hire in the cycle. And I could not have been more wrong. So he was a little like he's like, I don't know. But I think that's because also the national media didn't quite understand what really was going on here uh, behind the scenes. I think they just saw a guy who did really well for one year at UCF and, and was the golden boy and it didn't work out. So they thought, Oh, Nebraska is this impossible place to win at. I don't know, man, if you can rebuild Kansas in two years, I think you can rebuild Nebraska. Yeah. Just, and like, that's not to rip Kansas at all, but like Nebraska has a lot of money and they, they have a pretty big NIL collective from what I've heard. Uh, at least it's, that's what it seems like. Um, but uh, yeah, like, I don't know. It's it's definitely like fascinating to see. Like I'm always interested, and I I think it I think it's kind of weird. I don't know about you guys, but I think it's weird how the last few months all of a sudden people are piling on Frost now that he's fired. And it's it's similar to Daniel when you and I would always rant about fans bringing up Wandale and Adrian after they like had already left. And it's like, I mean, let let it go, right? Like, who cares? They're not here anymore. Move on. Move forward. That's all we care about. We don't care about going backwards, only forwards. And I think I find it so weird that a lot of the local media just seems to pile on Frost when when he was here. We didn't hear any of this stuff. And now all of a sudden, of course, you know, he's fired. He's let go. They don't have to worry about that anymore. They, they're just releasing everything. It's like, well, you know, then why don't you ask, you know, every week, like, hey, why is this not happening? You know? Yeah. Like, it's, 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 
and we we know because we we uh, were student we're former students we're alumni now uh, so like we know how the media operates um, you know John, we heard John Schrader's rants about this uh, topic so but it's just it's always interesting to me because I it's I I always understood what what Schrader meant but like I really didn't see it coming to fruition until this these last few months it's like man like there's really like this you know weird thing with with the media where they don't want to ask the difficult questions to frost and then you know of course when he's let go then they start bringing it up and it's Literally. like you're, you're missing oppor an opportunity like I don't, you, you gotta hold people accountable and like it's also unfair because mike riley um like he he did not get the the media treatment that frost did frost got an endorsement from the omaha world herald last year yeah for another year yeah no um that's and very not, true not, the media was really kind i thought to riley at the same time because he was so open and honest with them so i think mike riley had a unique uh mike riley had a unique he did. relationship with the media because he treated them well and so though he had two really bad years they still were really kind to him i guess mike riley's six and seven season where they went to a bowl game because of their academics and they beat ucla which was fun was better mike riley's six and seven season and that team was better than every single frost team yeah isn't that wild i yeah. guess that was that was really just a bo pelini leftover team but like you know, it's kind of funny that. to think about, like. <laughs> that, yeah. Well, the crazy thing about the Riley era, and, like, now this will be the last thing I bring up about Riley, but, like, I mean, we were kind of close to being pretty darn good with Mike Riley. Like, people don't talk about that enough. Like, we win a few more recruiting battles. Like, shoot, the, the Riley era looks a lot more different. I think he makes they almost a got Micah Parsons. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. he was in there, like, if a few things go his way, it, I mean, who knows? But Banking uh, on Tanner Lee in 2017 was a terrible mistake. Tanner and, Lee was terrible. And Bob Diaco as well. And Bob Diaco. Those two things, they had a lot of other things going for them, but Bob Diaco was a mess, not a good coach. And Tanner Lee was probably the least clutch quarterback I've ever seen in my life, besides the so, Purdue game that year. Yeah, so so oh, that brings up one last thing I want to make. Um, the when you say like they they put too much on Tanner Lee, that was the exact mistake that Frost made. He put too much on Adrian, um, and they and didn't I develop think, other people around him. Exactly. That that's what. I think Matt, that's going to be the biggest difference. It's not going to be like, you know, oh, we're going to rely on, you know, this just this player alone. Like, it's going to be a team effort, and that's what Nebraska needs to be. That's what the, most of the great teams are. Like, the reason why Alabama is not in the college football playoff this year is because of what? They focused way too much on Bryce Young. Like, it's the Bryce Young show. He carries that team, and so they weren't able to uh, make it that far. Um, so, you know, I think that's what Nebraska needs to do. They can't just focus on just like one specific position. It needs to be a team-wide thing. Yeah. Um, I guess one more transfer we can mention. This is going to be, I think, his sixth-year senior. Josh Fleeks, Joshua Fleeks, wide receiver from Baylor, was a former recruit of Matt Rule. Um, he's going to be coming in. Um, for the team, I believe in the spring, he's a grad transfer. So that's a, the last guy that they've added recently in the portal. Um, and then you know you look at other places. I mean, Shadur Sanders is going to Colorado. He's Dion's son. Everyone saw that coming. Whatever, we're playing them week two. That's gonna be sweet. Um, Devin Leary is going to Kentucky. He was the NC State QB. He's a good player. And the latest one actually is uh, DJ Uigalele. How do you say his name? Dion Galele. Whatever. He's going to Oregon State, which I think Oregon I State is is kind of a tough team right now. They just blew out Florida in their bowl game last week. 
And then um, now they're adding him as the transfer QB. I mean, they're looking tough. Pac-12, though they're losing USC and UCLA, is still looking like a tough league. Yeah, I really like that move by Oregon State. And also, I don't know if you saw this, Daniel, but it looks like Sam Hartman from uh, Wake Forest is uh, entering the portal. Just saw that. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. It looks Rumors. like he's probably going to go to uh, – I saw Notre Dame is the front runner there. Yeah, I saw that too. He's a good quarterback, man, and they need him. Yeah. They need yeah. him. Especially after losing out on Hudson Card. He went to Purdue, which I think was that's a that's a really good spot for him. Oh, I saw that too. Hudson Card went to Purdue. Um, there's a couple other quarterbacks worth mentioning. I mean, the portal is gonna open up more after spring, but um Graham Mertz is going to Florida. I thought that was interesting. I mean, he's really bad in Florida is also one of the schools losing a lot to the portal. So They were not happy that they got Graham Mertz. Yeah, you should not be happy you get Graham Mertz. I guess there's the Kyle Van Treese Bowl is on right now as we speak. Georgia Southern's playing Buffalo in the Camellia Bowl. So Kyle Van Treese used to play at Buffalo last year, and now he's at Georgia Southern. We kind of found out about him uh, twice uh, with the loss to Georgia Southern this year. But uh, – Low-key, I wasn't even sad when we lost that game. Probably because I just, like, we needed to get rid of Frost so bad. So Yeah, that was a bad game. That was a bad game. <laughs> it was a bad game. Honestly, um, I don't think – I don't think it stinged – I don't think it stung as much as uh, losing to Troy against um, – oh, what was his name? Uh, AJ – you remember we had we had him as a backup quarterback. AJ Bush, AJ Bush, AJ Bush. He well, was we a left beat Illinois. Yeah, we yeah, beat him. He transferred eventually, but he played at Troy, and he came and spanked us in like 2019 at home. No, he played. He played at Illinois, and we we beat him. That we was did last lose year. I could have sworn he didn't go to Troy. He was done after that Illinois year. He did play really well though against us. It was pretty embarrassing. Like he, I think he had his best game in his career in that game. Yeah, um, that's. I mean, that's the most notable stuff in the portal. I think Oregon State's on the rise. I know they're renovating their stadium, and they had a good year. Um, I really like their coach. Yeah, me too. And then I think this is funny. So Oklahoma State is playing Wisconsin tonight. In the, I'm not even going to say the name of this bowl game because it just sounds so bad. But uh, Wisconsin's playing Oklahoma State, two totally different teams. Wisconsin players joked that they didn't know Oklahoma State existed because they only think about Oklahoma, uh, which is just some smack talk. But that, that'll be an interesting game to watch because Big Ten versus Big 12 isn't a common bowl matchup. Um, that's why Nebraska, I mean, yes, we haven't really been to a bowl recently, but we haven't really played a lot of Big 12 teams in the you know last decade. Um, and then I guess some other ones coming up this week. Um, I guess Kansas is playing Arkansas. That's fun. Um, I know that they wanted to put Kansas versus Missouri in a bowl game, but Missouri said no. I don't know Shocker. if you saw that. Shocker. <laughs> yeah. And then they um, lost their bowl game a few days ago. Missouri sucks. I don't like them. They suck, and they're a waste of time in college football. Uh, I don't really say that about a lot of schools. I wouldn't even say that about Colorado, but Missouri is just completely lost, and they'll never be anything. Whenever I think of Missouri, I think of that rainy Thursday night game when we uh, came back and won. Yeah. But that was what are game. your guys' uh, playoff predictions for this Saturday? Yeah, let's jump to that. Um, bowl games, I would be more excited to like predict some of these games, but there's so many players opting out and stuff. It's just not what it once was. But playoffs, yeah. I'm rooting so hard for TCU. That's all I want. I want TCU to win the whole thing. I don't care about anybody else. TCU all the way. Georgia, I hate them. Ohio State, I don't care. Michigan, I don't care. All I want is TCU. And ever, otherwise, I'll just be sad. Okay, realistically, I think it's going to be Georgia-Michigan in the championship. I think Georgia's yeah. going to stomp them. However, how cool would it be? to have Ohio State, Michigan in the national championship. That'd be so toxic. How It'd be cool so good. It'd be so good. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't even imagine. 
how great that would be one of the biggest sporting events of like in history yeah it'd be huge like two teams from the same unheard of like going at it for a championship that with the rivalry that big that would be that's just kind of my dream so honestly kind of pulling for ohio state I'm I'm pulling for both underdogs in both of those games, so I'll be rooting for Ohio State and I'll be rooting for TCU. I'm rooting for an Ohio State TCU championship. Stetson Bennett needs to get his old ass out of college football. Michigan, there look, there's no great team in college football this year. There isn't a single team that I think is great this year, and Michigan isn't great. They're just really good, um, which I don't res- I don't fully respect them because of that. So Michigan, I don't want to see them win it this year. I want an underdog. So yeah, that's who I'm rooting for. Um, Sam, how about you? Uh, I want, yeah, I want TCU. Uh, I'm rooting for TCU, but I think Michigan's going to end up being the winner. I think overall they're the best team. All right. Well, that's everything. We're about to run out of time here on Zoom. So thanks for, for listening, everybody. This has been Sam Alessandro, Andrew Pfeiffer, Daniel Maxson, run the damn ball.